Hello, welcome to Live Well, Be Well, a podcast where we speak candidly about all things health and well-being. My name is Christine Glissman. I'm a health educator and health promotion services here at UC San Diego. On this episode of Live Well, Be Well, we'll be discussing body composition, body fat, and body positivity, all the bodies. So we hope you get inspired, we hope you feel connected, and we hope you discover new ways to live your best life. Let's get started. So my educational background is exercise physiology and nutrition. So I've worked with clients in a lot of different settings and services from health or wellness coaching, personal training, body composition analysis, et cetera. So regardless of the service, a significant amount of time is spent unlearning. Unlearning all those things that the media, the fitness industry, diet culture, and doctors have perpetuated. In my undergrad, I learned the rules about health in our bodies. In graduate school, I learned all the exceptions, which are actually more commonplace than the rules. I wish you could see me right now because I'm doing all of the air quotes. So today I'm going to talk about some of the things that I had to unlearn and how you can reframe your reality to help produce your desired future. So I first want to say that there is nothing wrong with wanting to look better. However, there is a point when wanting always interrupts being. I don't know the author to that, but they nailed it. What that means to me is that the constant desire to look, feel, or be different robs us of the joy and love we could find in this moment with this body. So accepting yourself as you are, your body as it is, is not synonymous with giving up. So a positive body image is not linked to disengagement and healthy movement or eating patterns or a reduction in self-care. In fact, research demonstrates that a positive body image may actually increase participation in health-related behaviors. So loving and accepting yourself now might actually help you meet your desired body goals. Before we get into if weight loss should even be a consideration, um, let's define body acceptance and love. So one conceptualization from the research is as follows. It is an overarching love and respect for the body that allows individuals to A, appreciate the unique beauty of their body and the functions that it performs for them, B, accept and even admire their body, including those aspects that are not, that are inconsistent with idealized images. C, feel beautiful, comfortable, confident, and happy with their body, which is often reflected as an outer radiance or a glow. D, emphasize their body's assets rather than dwell on their imperfections. And F, interpret incoming information in a body protective manner, whereby most positive information is internalized and most negative information is rejected or reframed. So there's a lot that goes into what that means, but I want to make notice that nowhere in that definition did you hear that you need to be completely satisfied with all aspects of your body. So it is okay to have goals relating to change how our body looks. However, and there is always a whoever, are you making those goals because you want to become a more healthful, glowing version of yourself or because you don't like what you see? Because the latter has huge implications for both our physical and mental health. 
So taking note of those things before we dive into what needs to be reframed in this world of body positivity, body composition, let's talk some science first. So first gonna be discussing the concept of an ideal weight. So an ideal weight does not come from a standardized weight chart. And let me explain why. So growing up, our parents, guardians, and us became very familiar with standard growth charts when visiting the doctor's office. These have existed since essentially infancy. Um, these growth charts would project the growth of healthy, healthy children in optimal conditions and were meant to be used as a reference to determine if the child was undernourished or to help screen for potentially inadequate growth that might be indicative of adverse health conditions. So this would sort of track and give a, a marker of where maybe height and weight should be projected based on this chart, based on age and average sort of growth patterns. Now, again, these charts were meant to be a reference, a reference point, but somehow along the road, they became the standards. So instead of being, this is a, a point to look at and to help us understand if this baby is growing in a way that is similar to age matched, healthy conditions, ideal kind of conditions, if it's matching sort of the growth rate of other infants. Now this also is shown in children and things like that. We kind of got projected heights, weight was always thrown in that for, for some reason. Um, but we don't really get told that there are ideal heights. <laughs> like it's like, yes, we're told maybe we're projected to be five, seven, we end up being five, five, but you're not going to be told, oh, that's, that's not ideal. You, you should be this, or you should feel bad that you're not this, but for some reason, weight is equated with that. Right. So it's meant to be a reference, but somehow it's turned into a standard. Like this is what you should sort of look like or weigh. So what this perpetuates is the idea that there is one weight ideal for that age, which then helps start the cycle of othering body types and othering other shapes, othering other weights that do not fit this ideal. And those times often, if we um, navigate away from this ideal, air quotes, then normally it is deemed as being unhealthy. Now, this just simply is not true. So each person does have an ideal or set point range. We'll talk about that a little bit more, but it is individualized and not meant to be a comparison to others. Um, there are not any charts that can tell you what your weight should be or even what your height should be. Yes, they gave projections in the beginning as a reference point to compare to the average growing rates of children, um, but that is not a goal. None of those were sort of a goal or a standard that meant anything related to, to health. So again, so each person has an ideal or set point range that is individualized and does not come from a chart and is not meant to be a comparison to others age matched or not. So the ideal or set point range theory, first of all, changes throughout the lifespan and is also determined both by genetics and current lifestyle. So most people won't actually know their ideal weight range. Again, it is a range. There's not something that you will maintain your entire life. Um, 
but there is sort of a range that increases a little bit as we naturally sort of age. So one, however, you can assume your ideal weight range and I'll tell you how. So this is when you are not trying to do anything to control your weight. So essentially your weight is remaining relatively stable. And we can obviously have a decent amount of fat on us and still be at a stable weight wise. And that would be your set point that is reflective of your current lifestyle. So your ideal weight would be a stable weight when participating in the recommended nutrition and fitness guidelines, such as eating a relatively low fat, so less than or equal to 20% of your daily caloric intake, uh, consuming a fiber-rich diet, being abundant in fruits, vegetables, and whole grains, and also being physically active. So this range is going to be different. This uh, ideal weight range, the set point range is going to be different for everyone and is really not indicative of health differences between people. All shapes and sizes of people can be healthy. Health is more related to lifestyle than our body composition. Um, so to kind of put that into kind of overall terms, yes, there is sort of an ideal weight and set point range for each person, but it is individualized to that person. It is not calculated by any sort of chart um, it's when our weight is stable and when our lifestyle is meeting those recommendations, those healthful recommendations of, of moving um, with physical activity, both uh, cardio or walking around and also weight training, flexibility training, and then also just matching sort of the, the my plate, getting your daily sort of intake of vegetables and whole grains. So in fact, to kind of bring it back around talking about body composition and health, there's actually no established criterion for percent body fat and health risk. Um, as we grow older, we hear about sort of like hypertension where there is hypertension risk and it gives us the ranges. So 120 over 80 is going to be a healthful, normal blood pressure. But when we see the systolic and diastolic rise, so maybe it's 140 to 160 over 80 to 90. So that could be considered more hypertensive and that gives us the ranges for health. There is no range or established uh, percentage for body fat associated with health risk. So let's kind of start that off right there. Fat is not inherently bad. Um, there is two different characterizations of fat. So subcutaneous fat, the fat that we see on the outside that we don't like to see maybe. Um, and then there's visceral fat, which is the fat that lines the internal organs. Now visceral fat has more health risks associated with it than subcutaneous fat or the fat that's on the outside of our, of our um, organs versus visceral, which is in the internal organs, kind of wraps around our organs. So visceral fat is, can impact our health and can increase our disease risk. So to get back to kind of how we get either of those, either of these fats kind of added on. So genetics does play a factor in fat accumulation, um, also in location of where the fat accumulates. But again, lifestyle is really going to be sort of the, the largest factor and obviously the most controllable factor as well. 
So if you wanted to increase your visceral body fat or the fat that is more risky, if you will, um, do not be physically active, consume a diet high in particularly saturated fat, refined sugar, um, a diet low in fiber, the consumption of a lot of alcohol, smoke or vape, and subject yourself to as much stress as possible without any attempt at reducing or managing your stress. That is the way to increase your visceral body fat and to have a large impact on your health, both mental and physical. So if you want to become more healthy or sustain health, then do the opposite of those things. So be physically active, have a diet rich in fiber, vegetables, fruits, whole grains, um, move your body, reduce alcohol consumption, do not smoke or vape and manage sort of stress. So really this healthy lifestyle can be very beneficial in um, reducing the visceral body fat that has a higher risk and has a greater impact on health. Now, subcutaneous fat um, that is added on when calories that are consumed are more than calories that are um, burned or kind of used throughout the day. So it's a simple energy balance equation. So again, but both of these can obviously be moderated by, by lifestyle. Lifestyle plays such a huge role in either of these, both of the accumulation of both of these fats. Now, so caneous fat, the fat that we see on the outside does not really pose as many health risks as visceral fat does. It is normally unwanted, but there's nothing inherently bad about it. So I think I would just challenge you there to love your fat a little bit more. Um, so kind of based on some of the science things that I just mentioned, so talking about the ideal weight, the set point range, even talking about um, fat in itself, we've kind of demonized fat in our culture, both dietary and what's on our body. So let's talk about some of the things that can be reframed that can actually help us reach our goal, become more healthful, and also change our relationship with our body. So what needs to be reframed? So one, the idea that everyone's ideal body weight is the same. <laughs> no. So the ideal body weight for a person is individualized. It's both based on genetic and lifestyle factors. So it does not come from a chart. It is individual to that person. Um, so know that that exists. It's your, the chart does not tell you whether you are healthy or not. The chart actually doesn't paint a good picture of, of truly anything. It's pretty arbitrary. Number two, the fat that is on the outside of our body, that subcutaneous fat. So the fat that we see and may not like all the time, is not inherently bad. Visceral fat is more concerning and again, can be moderated by a healthy lifestyle. So fat in itself, having fat on you, um, little or small, does not really entirely equate to health. It doesn't have as big of an impact as just a healthy lifestyle could. So you can be fat and fit. And you can be healthier than someone that is unfit and say more of a typical, stereotypical, average, desirable weight of the world. Um, fitness is definitely more important than fatness. Number three, loving your body, fat and all, can actually help you reach your health-related goals. So once we sort of give up this idea that we should look like everyone else or what the media perpetuates, we are set free. Now, this doesn't necessarily mean that we still don't have work to do in loving ourselves, but I believe um, once you start loving yourself, and I think that some, sometimes comes from the science, I like to use science a lot. So knowing 
but there really isn't an ideal body weight. Hopefully we'll take that comparison game out of your mind. You are only battling with yourself. So take out the comparison game. The weight charts don't mean anything. Another person's genetic lifestyle com- is, is their own. Everyone that's the same age is not going to look, act, feel the same. So hopefully that sort of scientific piece can kind of take out that idea of comparison. And also just knowing that fat is not inherently unhealthy. I think that's, I think that's a really important factor because I think we do demonize fat in this culture that started a long time ago. Um, it's very embedded in our culture. So being able to kind of take a step back and looking at what you have in your body and loving it because fat is just as metabolically active as muscle can be. Uh, so that means it burns almost just as many calories pound for pound than, than muscle would. So it is, it is active and it's more active when we are active. So the organs, the rest of our body kind of plays off of our, our lifestyle. So knowing that hopefully kind of helps reduce this relationship that we have with fat. Um, I think the science can help sort of set us free a little bit. Um, but also it, t- it does take a lot of work. Um, but I believe starting off at a place of just love and awe can really help us reframe and unlearn what, unlearn what the world has incorrectly taught us. So start with sort of those things. So I challenge you to take what was learned today and unlearn today, hopefully, to help you on your journey of accepting and loving your body. Our bodies are incredible and deserve all the love. And when we are in a place where we can give ourselves love, give ourselves permission to love, be in awe of our body, what it looks like, also its function, how functional it is, how incredible it is, that does kind of free us up and actually helps us develop more of a healthful lifestyle because we want to do things to this body that we love that are good. So it's an appreciation and the love that actually helps us develop and want to do more loving things for our body. So I just encourage you to unlearn some of the things that I think the world has taught us and really try and accept and pour love into this body that you have. Um, Because I think it's so important to stop wanting wanting that next thing because it does it robs us of where we're at right now and you are incredible right now and that also is not going to stop you from being incredible tomorrow or the next day um so just taking a moment to kind of love yourself now i think is so so important so that concludes the episode of live well be well if you like what you heard and like to learn more about topics related to health and well-being there's so much more to come be sure to check out our website Um, hbs.ucsd.edu and follow us on Instagram and Facebook under at UCSDHBS. Stay tuned for our next episode of Live Well, Be Well. Until next time, be kind, be true, be you, love your body, and remember to be well is to live well. (laughs) Bye.